Okay, hello and welcome to TOEFOP. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Episode 8, I'm Charlie Clawson. My name is Will Anderson. You came in really like, bang, enthusiastic then. You're yeah, I was. I'm trying to, because like, uh, we've just been fiddling around with the equipment and I'm sounding a little off mic. So I'm, I'm trying to make up with it, uh, make up for that with enthusiasm. Yeah, we're the, 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 the fiddling around, um, to better describe it, is more like two retarded monkeys <laughs> trying to work out how to use very complex equations. I mean, no, because they, I think you'll find evolutionary wise, monkeys learn. <laughs> so monkeys will try something like they'll go up to the fire and the fire burns them and then they know, don't touch fire. Whereas we just randomly, and when I say we, mostly you, yeah. just randomly fiddle around with knobs. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's like, you're, you're like a, an extra on an old episode of Star Trek. Yeah, right. Like, you know, and when they just walk into the like the, 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 the cockpit of the Starship Enterprise and you're just in the background fiddling around with yeah. these knobs. I'm one of the guys in the red shirt, so guaranteed I'm going to die by yep. the end of the episode. <laughs> That's right. Or, or you actually look like, um, uh, and you, quite, you see it quite randomly in bands now. Like, not necessarily in a dance music band, but in a band that has an element of dance music. So yeah. they're like a rock band, but occasionally... Someone on decks? No, not even on decks. Like... They'll just get down on the floor and start playing with little knobs and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 noises. yeah. I don't get that. Like, are they actually part of the band? Or are they just know. like a producer who, like, is coming out? I mean, they're not really... They can't count as part of the band, can you? I mean, if you say you're in a band, yeah. you've got to play an instrument. You don't twiddle. You can play the knobs. That's but... a band thing now. But what do you tell people you play when they ask you? I don't know. Uh, electronic? I don't know what you tell them. You're like on, uh, I don't know. Do you, say, do you even say you're a musician? Because technically, is it even music? Well, is there dance? Uh, does someone who makes dance music out of other people's music, like DJs and cuts it up, is that a musician? I'd say they're a DJ. Yeah, but could they, like if you put out an album, you can, like, what, are, are the Avalanches musicians? I guess so. Because the Avalanches put out an entire album that was essentially made up of songs that they made up out of other people's, you know, samples and songs. Well, I guess it's because you, you, it's, you're speaking about the technicality, like, you know, uh, a pro they're essentially producers. Producers. Yeah, okay, they're producers. Music producers. Yeah. I'm a music producer. Yeah. It doesn't sound as romantic as I'm a musician, <laughs> does it? I'm a music producer. Putting producer on the end doesn't really... And I know that you, you spend some producer. of your time as a producer. <laughs> but it doesn't actually make something sound more impressive. You don't think? Like, you know, no. I think if you were like a milkman or a milk producer... Milk producer sounds weirder, actually. Well, I, that in sounds that, like a medical that, problem. In that context, <laughs> I'm a doctor of a milk producer. Sounds like you have some uh, lactating <laughs> issue there. I'm a milk producer. I'm a 35-year-old male and I'm a milk producer. What is wrong with me? I keep shooting this milk out of myself in really, really small, gloggy amounts. Can, guys can do that. I've heard of like friends of mine who have found like a milky discharge from their nipples, some kind of like you know milky... Yeah, yeah, you can, uh, you can actually um, uh, lactate. As a man, you can teach yourself to lactate. If you have a baby, you really? can breastfeed your own child. And is it like is it the same thing as what comes out of the female boob? I suppose so. More manly though. More <laughs> well, manly. Well, to know, like, it tastes different. Like, mm, probably a bit more hair around the nipple. <laughs> like for a baby, you're more chance of getting a curly black hair in your milk if you're a baby if you're breastfeeding off your dad than you are off your mum. I imagine. So theoretically, uh, just say you know you and your partner on a desert mm. island and you have a baby and then for some reason she dies could you raise the baby by breastfeeding yeah that's medically possible that is medically possible are you sure about that is it, this isn't like the uh, you've what's got happened how do we get on the island I need, I, I need more context hang on a sec okay shut up sorry that's the dog uh why are we on the island yeah um, how did how did me and my wife me and my partner get on this uh island shotgun wedding because you got her knocked up uh, uh -huh. and so you eloped 
and you thought you'd take the spirit of Tasmania yeah. down in Tasmania because you figured if there's one place in Australia where you're not going to get hassled yeah, for that kind Tasmania. of stuff, it's Tasmania, down in the Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the spirit of Tasmania had sunk and an undiscovered island in the Bass Strait. <laughs> Mate, if I was stuck on an undiscovered island in the middle of Bass Strait, I would swim for land. <laughs> Like that, you've not, it's, it's barely the plot of loss. <laughs> I was going like, to say. Like, I mean, if they'd landed, if that flight out of uh, Sydney uh, that was heading for LA um, uh, had landed on a small island in on between Tasmania Strait. and the mainland, even Hurley would have swum for it. Even <laughs> Hurley would have thought his chances were okay to make it to land. Now you're a big loss fan, right? Because yeah. I, I watched the first year, season and I really liked it, but it was just one of those things where I found it really hard to, there's only like, I don't even think there's one TV show I've ever watched the whole way through. Six Feet Under, I think I've watched the whole series of that. Yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But I don't think there's any show that I slavishly have kind of followed. But you were way into life. As soon as I start something, I'm committed to seeing it through when it comes to television. I've never stopped watching something that I started watching, even if it gets, it bad. gets shit. Yeah, like, small, like Smallville is a classic Smallville. example. I think we've spoken about yeah. this before. You hate it. You keep I hate it and it. I keep watching it. Although I think it's actually starting to get okay, um, but is it, or is that just uh, the weight of kind Stockholm of numbers? Syndrome. Yeah, totally. I have Smallville Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> and uh, the other one for me is Prison Break. Yeah, right. Like I watched the first six episodes of Prison Break, I thought were awesome, yeah. and then I watched another four and a half series based on. But the, then, at some stage, maybe it'll be as awesome as that. The only thing about Prison Break, like I tried to get into that, but the thing that I kept finding was they were obviously so limited by what they could show in their time slot, you know, because it's a prison drama. And generally when you think of prison drama, you think of like Oz or Shawshank Redemption. So you want to see, right. or you're expecting to see, yeah, like some pretty <laughs> brutal... conversations always get to prison rape. Well, I don't know. There is probably probably some psychoanalysis out there that's going to do some damage to our reputation. Please don't tell us. But that but that show is kind of like uh, when you watch a censored version of like Beverly Hills Copper, it's like, you know, you mother flipper yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to really get into a show when they're so obviously like held back by the fact that they couldn't show like what really goes on in prison. And like a guy that pretty going to prison, Jesus, like, come on, tell me he wouldn't be kind of lined up on day one. Yeah, but the, but the thing was, there was kind of that uh, like through line. The sis- yeah, the sisters. The but he of- was like uh, such a, you know, ultimate warrior. Like genius ultimate warrior, you know, plans tattooed all over his body. Yeah, so explain, explain that guy. to me. So he, why did he, so he had the blueprints tattooed on his body. So yeah. when he planned his escape, he could look in the mirror yeah. and go, okay, well, that's the layout. Yeah. He couldn't have just memorized it. It was too complex to memorize. It was too complex because he had all like backup plans and like the whole, you know, prison and all these slots. Because he never knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. He just, it was like, essentially he had Wikipedia <laughs> on his body <laughs> in case of any emergency. You know, you could just sort of go, Oh, like I need to know something about horses. Yeah, uh, that's I think right. that's in my armpit. And so one of the guys in prison is like, you love your mum. So what does that mean? He's like, no, I actually just love my mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last one I got done. Yeah. I just, I just like dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> that's that the first one I got. Um, no, it was kind of the equivalent of, cause he didn't know exactly what the, it was like when you used to cheat on your arm at high school in exams. Yeah, right. Right, and you don't know exactly what questions they're going to, so you have to write everything. Yeah. So that's what he kind of did. So you got through all through Prison Break as well. Yeah, including the special telly movie that they did at the end. Oh, they do a telly movie. Yeah, it was kind of like a not like conclusion when, sort of thing. Did you ever see the Degrassi telly movie they did at the end of Degrassi where it was like the most depressing end to a series? Like, I know Degrassi... Do you what say, happened? Do you say Degrassi or Degrassi? Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, Degrassi. <laughs> I used to have this uh, high school teacher called Wally Vermeulen 
who was uh, my uh, year 11 chemistry teacher. Yeah, right. And uh, he was from uh, Canada, and he always used to talk about, like, in chemistry, we'd use examples from Degrassi. Do you remember? Do you remember being a Bulldogs fan? Do you remember that episode where you know Wheels? The, yeah. the, do you remember when he's wearing the Bulldogs jumper? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I know. That was awesome. I remember so being like sure. ten years old and just being like, yeah, like seeing the Victorian Football League logo. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is like you know moderately successful teen yeah. drama knows about Aussie rules, yeah. maybe, <laughs> or at least their costume design it does. It is. It was Canadian though. So yeah. like, I mean, it, it is the equivalent of like somebody wearing a like a, a maple leaf jersey yeah, that's on right. home and away. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, down at the surf club, you know. But yeah, I, I um. Now, what was in the Degrassi telly? Movie? So in the, the Degrassi telly movie, it was it was it was so depressing. Like they didn't really leave it in a high note. It ends with um, Joey cheats on his girlfriend. Uh, Joey Jeremiah cheats, yep. cheats on his girlfriend. Remedy. And I think one of them ends up pregnant or with an STD. Lucy, the tall black girl, goes blind. Yeah. And, From uh, just something genetic, I think. And someone yeah. else ends up in a wheelchair. Like uh, I think it's um. Who's the girl, um, the one with the mole? She had like a lot, uh, what's her name? I think she's one of Joey's girlfriends. Anyway, one of those girls ends up either in a wheelchair or like, you know, dead or something like that. And it was this one hour special that was like wrapping up the stories of these kids you've been following for six years. It's like, oh my God, high school. And then they all got out. (laughs) High school is a horrible, horrible place. But high school is a horrible place, you know? So maybe... Yeah, that's what I like about it is good. It wasn't like one of those things where everything worked out okay, you know? It was kind of like what high school was. But they tipped into the other bracket where it wasn't like they had a nice dose of reality that was like, if you... If you wanted to have like super reality, this is like every week there was someone yeah, who there was, was no boy HIV case. infected, there was someone who was suicide, there was an alcoholic, like every week it's like, fuck man, this school is really depressing yeah. I don't know if I should come back. If it was your real school, it'd be like, um, so what happened this week that's the big thing that happened at school? Uh, anyone get AIDS? Anyone get <laughs> teen pregnant? Anyone like, you know, want to commit suicide? Um, uh, Fatty Alexander ate a fish eye in biology. <laughs> I don't know if that was there big issues at your school. What were the like big? Uh, yeah, if they were going to make Degrassi at your school, oh, we had a pretty. What, we had what some, would have been the? We had, we had some. I mean, we had like a kid who killed himself. That was pretty full okay, on. That's pretty full on. He, we, I mean, he was a troubled kid, and mm-hmm. I, and I think that uh, you know, like you said, school's not good for people at the best of times. So if you're someone who's kind of really questioning, yeah, you know, why you're here. So, but that wasn't a huge thing. I'd say. Um, Teen pregnancy? I was a boy school. All boy school. So no teen pregnancy. A lot, uh, of, a lot of anal pregnancy. Yeah. So it's really weird. What the anal babies? <laughs> Tiny little anal babies. Uh, Guys going into the men's bathroom, think they're doing a poo. Out comes an anal baby. Surprise, you're pregnant. And then you have to uh, elope to Tasmania. Tasmania. <laughs> Uh, no, we didn't have a lot of issues. My year level was actually pretty good. Like, everyone got on pretty well. You know, there was no kind of, like, racial tension or anything like that. But I know the years above and below used to fight a lot. Like, there's a lot of kind of guys um, who didn't get along in year level. And there's a lot of, like, brawls, like, organized. That, that's the thing I'd never understood. There used to be organized brawls. Right. Like a flash mob. Yeah, punchy. yeah, but punchy. But yeah. I never kind of understood, like, if I had like information handed to me letting me know that if I was at a certain spot at a certain time there's guaranteed guaranteed to be violence I would avoid that area yeah you'd find other things to do with your dad yeah I remember catching the train home like um and I made a man from a different school uh Tim Baker he he was sort of waiting at Elstwick train station he was acting a bit jumpy and I was like what's going on it's like oh shit like you know I meant to be having a fight here in about 15 minutes but none of my crews turned up what are you doing and I'm like uh, I'm on my way home. Not and it's like, can you can you stick around and you know, like help me fight these guys? <laughs> it's like, 
No, I don't have a beef. Like, I know Muhammad Ali probably said it a bit better than me, but I have no beef with these people. Why would I suddenly get into a fight? But that, uh, that used to happen quite a bit. Like, even if you did have a beef with them, like, yeah. fighting would be down the list of ways you'd resolve that beef. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So you're certainly not tagging in on someone else's beef. No, no. And then there was other guys... Um, Gun for hire. There's a couple of guys the year above who were twin brothers, and they were like... Uh, I can't even remember their names, but they were like... Well, the rumour was they were connected, that their father you know, that they had connections. And so no one, and I never, still don't know to this day whether or not that was just urban legend or whether or not these guys did, but they did walk around that school as if they were connected. Like, right. never saw them in class. They were always hanging outside the toilets, smoking that kind of stuff. And I remember once... Um, Why do you smoke outside the toilets? That's such a... I or mean, in the always toilets. outside the toilets. Or, right? yeah, near the toilets. Well, it's because where you can go where teachers aren't allowed or not ah. meant to walk in. Are they not meant to go into the toilets? Teachers? Uh, well, I don't think... Oh, you went to a Catholic boys' school. Yeah. Well, at least the, the priest went. Um, I don't know. Well, I guess it's just a place you can... Well, where else are you going to smoke? I mean, where are you going to get privacy? Tell it's the only netball place. Courts. That's where we used to smoke. Netball courts. Yeah. Get on the netball courts. Sit on the netball courts. Yeah, right. I mean, we, we could have done that. Well, you know what? I you wasn't, didn't have netball courts. I, I wasn't a school. It was a boys' school. We didn't was have netball netball courts. Court? No, we had basketball courts. I mean, we had plenty of room, plenty of places you could go smoke, but not being a smoker, I never had to... I never have to find that. But th these guys, um, they had an issue with someone at the school. They would get one of their... This is probably what I think contributed to the legend of them being yeah. connected, is if you had an issue with them, then they would bring these older guys, like 19, 20-year-old guys, to school. Oh. And as he was leaving, they'd drag you off and kick the shit out of you. Awesome. Yeah. So they were really well organised. They never fought their own battles. That I can kind of understand. I had um, someone do that on my behalf once without me asking. What do you mean, do what? Well, I was at, when I was in uh, grade six... Um, I went to an inter-school sports carnival. Everyone has to compete from your school. And like, you know, so you get a certain amount of points. So if you get a, like, it's in the long jump, if you jump over, I don't know, how, however long a yeah, grade six can jump. But say you get over the three metre mark, you get three points for your school. If you get over the two metre mark, you get two points, you get one point, that sort of thing. Yeah. So everyone competes. And then at the end of the day, they add up your school's points and that's who's the winner of the games. Um, so it was one of those. And we had um, uh, this guy at our school, Chico. Let me, let, 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 me, let me guess. Yeah. Chico was white. Yeah. <laughs> so Chico was the only... No, you have talked about him before. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't through any racism. No. It was just we just logical. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Chico was the only uh, brown uh, kid at our school. But there was this guy at another school who I won't name uh, because of the nature of this story. Okay. But we later on became friends in life, this guy. He, he was just a, a bully kid when he was in you know, grade six. And he was picking on Chico. So um, he was picking on Chico. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I should be the hero. So I went over and I was like, hey, mate, don't, don't pick on Chico. Well, it's, it's inappropriate. Like, we're calling him Chico, by yeah. the way. Like, you know. <laughs> and he's like, pot kettle. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, pot kettle Chico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the pot calling the kettle Chico. Um, so I've, 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 you know, kind of done this muscle. And he took a swing at me. And because I don't fight, yeah. but I do get hit quite a lot. Yeah, right. That's what I say to people. They say, oh, did you ever get in fights when you are growing up? And I say, no, I don't fight, but I got hit all the time. Well, this, this is part of your training for Will Fishner Barrel Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> You've been, like, training your whole life for this. Totally. A guy nearly killed me once. What? Uh, a guy nearly killed me playing football um, because I was, uh, like, just saying smart-ass things. And it was a muddy oval, and he held my face down <laughs> in the mud. <laughs> In the middle of the oval, like in the mud. I was drowning in mud. Oh, that's brilliant. I could have died, drowned in mud. You had your face down, pressed down to the mud. You had back of your head or something. Yeah, had mud. my hair, because I had long hair. He was holding my hair. <laughs> <laughs> he 
into the mud. Because, oh, this is what had happened. Oh, right, okay. I, it was all my own fault, really, in retrospect. If you went back, if you traced it back. But basically, I had really long hair. And this guy said, um, uh, hey, mate, you, you, you're gay. You're a poofed up. Right. There's your long hair. So he, he was witty too. Yeah. <laughs> witty and violent. Yeah. He'd just come straight to high school football from the old Golquin round table where he'd been practicing his barbs with Dorothy <laughs> Parker and he thought I'll lay some good ones on this fella. So um, he's going, yeah, you'll go, you'll go. And so I thought the best way to deal with this was through humour. Yeah. So I said, um, mate, there's a there's a gay bar just in town here. I'm like, we should go after <laughs> <laughs> And then ran, yeah. basically, away from him. And he got me in the middle of the oval, and he grabbed the back of my hair and, like, held my face in the mud. This is a guy you went to school with? No, it was an oh, inter-school right. guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and he, like, was holding me down, and I was drowning in mud. What like, mud other... was filling my mouth what and my lungs. What teammates doing? Uh... I don't know, encouraging him? <laughs> Chanting around. Kill the fur. <laughs> I hang on, this doesn't work out how I want it to. Hey, hey, hey. One for all, no for one. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, this guy, yeah. So I used to get in a, a bit of fun. So I, I, like, I went over to defend um, a Chico to this guy, and this guy hit me. And then, so I did nothing more about it and, and whatever. But then after. Hit you in the face. Hit me in the face. Whereabouts? Uh, I don't know, in the face. Well, the I know, because I've only been hit in the face like a couple of times. Where's he going to hit me? The forehead? Well, no, no, no. Because like, he hits you in the nose, that fucking stings. Or he hits you in the jaw, that's all right. Mm, that's I a mean, good point. I it's mean, not... you didn't go down, is the point. Um, so, I, yeah, I did the big uh, swerve around, and I've gone, I've, I've shaken, shaken it off. And, like, you know, I did, did what I was meant to do, even though I got hit. Yeah. Um, but then, there's this family from where I'm from um, uh, called the Heathertons. And uh, they were all called Bob Jack, all the boys, because the dad was called Bob Jack. And then there was like seven boys who all had the nickname Bob Jack. Yeah. So this family, who were like, you know, people were always, they had this real reputation. But uh, the one that I knew, Corey Heatherton, um, who was a year older than me, I guess, at school, or maybe in the same year as me at school, was an awesome bloke. I yeah, always right. really liked him a lot, even though he came from this family that were obviously a bit wild and off the tracks. And my dad had coached him playing junior cricket and junior football. And he had like quite a great deal of respect for my old man. And like, you know, so he was a good guy. Anyway, I later heard that after he'd heard about this incident and after the sports carnival, he tracked down this dude and, and beat the shit ah. out of him like, on my behalf. And so... Without me knowing, but then I suddenly got this reputation of a guy who could like is connected. You don't fuck with Will Anderson. Yeah, don't fuck with that faggot. The gay mafia will come get you. <laughs> That's right. And so yeah, I, I became like I had this like you know guardian angel. Uh, I, I got uh, punched out another time mm. by this gang uh, in Sale. Mm. Um, me and my mates had all gone to the movies together, like a group of five guys going to the movies together because we're teenage boys, you know, and we'd gone to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And I, God, I deserve to be punched in the face, <laughs> honestly. I was wearing a blazer, some sort of like, you know, uh, old man sort of blazer that yeah. I thought made me look like, I don't know, like some modern debonair Doctor Who. Yeah, right. right? And I had... Was bought, it crushed velvet? It wasn't crushed velvet, because like, I wouldn't have been able to afford something that was crushed yeah. velvet. It was just like some old grandpa's jacket that sure. I thought... Gave me. Did you have a daffodil pinned in the lapel like you were like the sales dandy? <laughs> well, it's so funny you say that because even worse than that, Charlie, here's what I had. We had enjoyed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie so much that they were selling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles merchandise yeah. at, the, uh, at, the, at the cinema. Yeah. So I had bought a clip on 
uh, who was the orange teenage Michelangelo? Michelangelo. Yeah, he's a party dude. Yeah, <laughs> so I had bought an orange a Michelangelo clip-on turtle that I had clipped onto oh the lapel of my blazer, where your daffodil would have been. They weren't they weren't selling any bullseyes uh, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I may as well have just put a giant target yeah. on my forehead. But uh, so we walked down into the mall in Sale, uh. just down from the cinema, and um, this gang of like another five, like tough, say high boys, um, had, had come up to us and just knew, yeah, we went to the wrong school. That was all it was. Yeah, they knew we went to a, a, like a school that deserved to get beaten the shit out by their school. Yeah. And so they cornered us and they all came towards us. And like, you know the other thing too is like, I was the tallest of my mates, but probably the weakest. Yeah. But because when they've obviously sat around, I don't know if they sit around and like, plan this out or just they were so good at fighting that they naturally mm. you know found the one that they could best yeah, yeah. take on yeah, yeah but i got the like toughest biggest bloke coming yeah, right. towards me and i'm like hey man everything's cool, <laughs> cool. hey do you like the like, teenage ninja turtles this is michelangelo <laughs> heroes and half shell and so and like the irony is that like we'd just seen an entire movie full of like sweet ninja moves and shit. I could have pulled some shit, like yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But instead, I just stood there as this guy smashed me in the face, and I had the best black eye of yeah, all time. Right. My eye closed over, and it was massively swollen, like for about a week. And like I remember playing cricket on the weekend, and everyone was just like, everyone was like really impressed. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. it was really cool. Totally. Yeah. I, I remember when I was um, uh, my first job I ever had, I was a, a, a dishwasher at this pancake restaurant, and there's a lot of older guys there, like eighteen, nineteen, and so for New Year's Eve one year, they took me out with them, and you know I think they organised a fake ID for me and everything, and they took me um, to Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, back when St Kilda was a bit more, a bit more of a red light district, a bit yeah, more totally. kind of racy. And um, I don't know how I got in, because I, I was one of those 16-year-olds who looked about 12. Yeah. But we got into the first place, no problem. And then um, there used to be a very famous bar uh, in, in Fitzroy Street called Joey's. I'm not sure if that was around. Do you remember Joey's? No. It was one of those kind of places that has a reputation for, like, it's bikies go there and drug dealers and stuff. It's not the kind of and place. And underaged uh, dishwashers. Dishwashers. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, everyone went from this one party they got me into across the road to Joey's and the bouncers were straight away were like, nah, this guy's not coming in. So all my friends kind of went in, which is fair enough. And I was sort of just hanging out on Fitzroy Street. And I'd also, I was also drunk too. And, you know, a 16-year-old, that wasn't very common for me either. And uh, I was sort of like, I don't know, I was just sort of hanging around and I was just sort of watching the people trying to get in. And this one guy uh, got knocked back from the club and um, he was sort of mouthing off to the bouncers. And these bouncers were like big, big guys. And so then as he walks off, one of the bouncers just sort of walks after him, grabs him by like the collar and then throws him backwards in through a shop window, like something you see from like a, like a yeah. diehard or something, throws him through a window. Yeah, there were these guys walking by with a giant pane of glass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there was like a crate full with watermelons, <laughs> a stack of empty cardboard boxes. So this guy goes through the glass, the bouncer then drags him out of the, and he's covered in blood, drags him out of the window and puts him on the gutter and starts stomping on his fucking head, like, while this guy's, and I'm sitting there, and I've never really seen kind of violence before. So I started freaking out, and then I, I walked up um, Fitzroy Street, and these two older women, who I'd later come to realise were prostitutes, yeah. 
they came trailing after me and they were like, you okay? You, you lost? And I, I was sort of, you know, oh, yeah, it's all right, all right. I just need to go home. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get a cab back home. And they were like, yeah, we'll get a cab with you. How much money have you got? And I didn't realize what they were getting at. And I'm like, well, you know, I've got like a, I've got like a 50 and oh, no, I've got another 20 here. And like, uh, in their head, they're doing the math. Like, yeah, we can make this work. Okay, well, let's get in the cab. We'll go back to your place. And as I'm getting the cab, one of my, the guys I work with came out and was like, Charlie, what are you doing there, hookers? <laughs> it's like... So, yeah, but you're like, hey, man, I've only got 70 bucks. And I'm happy to get yeah, it. no, that, in retrospect, it wasn't that bad. No, these were old women. Like, I didn't pick them as being hookers because... Did they have bowls equipment? Well, they... they, they were in their bowls whites with no, their bowls they, hats. They, they, looked, they, they looked more like the kind of women you'll see, you'd see, like, you know, at a food court, uh, you know, in the middle of the day during the week. They just looked... They were unassuming. Like, you, you think hooker, you think there's got to, there's some kind of suggestive clothing. Fishnets, Fishnets or... No, they were... high boots. They were just wearing, like, tracksuit pants. Tracksuit pants <laughs> and, like, a Daryl Summers, like, knit sweater. Like, they did not look like prostitutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could have lost my virginity that night, actually, if I if I played my card. If my mate hadn't gone out and ruined the party, oh, no. I could have banged two really old, <laughs> ugly hookers, <laughs> and then would my life my life would have been different <laughs> if I'd just taken that opportunity. I um when I was on an under fifteen schoolboys uh, football trip to Melbourne, we were up playing in like the yeah the National Schoolboys Carnival, which was in Melbourne, obviously. And um, we went to Club X. I don't know if it was Club X, but like one of those adult cinemas. The one down on um, uh, near Elizabeth the Street. near the um, uh, yeah train station. Eli- you know, yeah, near Elizabeth. across from the McDonald's. Yeah, it's Elizabeth Street. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went in there um, in our uniforms because you had to when you were whenever you were not playing, you had to wear your like you know uniform, which was just like a tracksuit, I think, with like a top that said where we were from and everything. Yeah, and twenty of us went in there. And watched like a porn movie, right? And we were all by na- by the very nature of the team we we're in under fifteen. But our top said under fifteen schoolboys carnival, and they they clearly did not care. They no. they clearly just like, I mean, like obviously we didn't get asked for ID, and we're all wearing under fifteen schoolboys tops. Do you think it was it's easier? It was easier then, or it's easier now to do that kind of shit to be underage. Don't need to now. You can just like download the same shit. On no, your maybe iPhone. not to go into a, like a sex theater, but to get into a bar and stuff. Like I know when I was like fourteen, fifteen, and getting a fake ID and stuff like that was it was pretty hard. I think now I don't know. Would it be easier like for kids to fake ID? Like the way I got my fake uh, ID. Kids, kids now could like put together a fake pass. Yeah. Well, the way I got my fake ID because if you didn't have a driver's license, you could get a key pass, yeah. which was like you know the approved. Yeah. Proof of age document. And um, so what I did, it was so ballsy when I think about it, but I got my mate's birth certificate and mm. some of his mail, so two forms of ID, and went to a police station and said, oh, yeah, I'm Martin Stannard. You know, I was born in 1970, whatever. And they just uh, had, to, they had to sign the stat, had to, they had to witness the stat deck. And so that, and then after that, that was it. Then I went to a chemist and got it made up. And it was like, to, to even push it further, I went in in my school uniform. I was kind of daring the cops not to believe my story because why would a guy who was underage come in in his school uniform and get a fake ID? It's the perfect uh, way to do it. Yeah. Get on the front foot. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I, I didn't have a fake ID uh, at all. You don't need one in the country, do you? Well, you had to know where to go. Right. Well, then again, though, the country wouldn't everyone know you. You're the Anderson kid. Yeah. But people don't, like, there would be some places that obviously didn't care, and there would be other places that really cared. There were three places you'd basically go in sale. There was the Star Hotel, which is where you'd start, and they were not too bad, because they had a, um, a smorgasbord area out the back, <laughs> like a, you know, like a, a dining... Bistro. A bistro. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so you could actually dine there and not 
be over age, you know. So you basically just go into that bit, have something to eat, and then kind of, you know, yeah, sneak your way into the main bit of the pub, basically, is how it would work. So that yeah. was a pretty easy one. That's where you'd start. When then, you say when you say sneak in, like when it gets crowded and you're not as noticeable. Yeah, basically, yeah, right. that's right. So you're already there. They're already used to seeing you around. Yeah. And then you just like back into the other room where all the, you know, drinking and boozing is. Yeah. So that was where we'd always start. Yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd rarely ever get kicked out of, of uh, the, the swan. And would the, cop, Sorry, the would the cops ever come in and... and... Uh, yeah, the cops would definitely come in, so you have to be aware of that. And would you take off if they came in? I mean, because if yeah, you have definitely. a fake ID, because that used to happen when I was underage, is you'd be somewhere and cops would come in, but if you had the card, it's fine. You just flash that and just you know hope you don't sweat while <laughs> while they're they're look, looking at it. No, 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 we would never do that. We'd just bail. Right. Uh, then we'd want to go to the yes to the sale, which was ringers. That's what it was called. Oh yeah, ringers. ringers. We've heard about ringers. They only had uh, cold chisel. And uh, yeah. Ian Moss and Barnsey. That's right. <laughs> and they used to do the thing where you have to swap clothes. And oh, the other thing about the, the ringers, though, for a place that sounds so non-classy, you had to wear leather shoes. Yeah, right. They wouldn't let you in unless you were wearing leather shoes. And then if things, if you if you stayed there and it shut at like one or two or whatever it shut, then you would head to the Warwick or the Wuck Wuck, <laughs> as it was, which didn't even have glass. That's the sort of place this was. Like, yeah, you know, some right. places so that was, that was the, plastic, yeah. like, afterwards, they were just like... What's the point? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Even if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, if we have glass in this pub, someone is likely to glass someone else. Sunday morning, someone will come in for a palmer and glass someone. That was the sort of place it was. So yeah. you basically... And that would have been, what, early 90s, too. So, like, yeah. way before the plastic revolution, they, they were like... They were almost uh, forerunners for the whole kind of the anti-glassing movement. Yeah, I, I feel that like, you know, uh, pub violence really took off in my local area. <laughs> That's right, started. Took on the world. The epicenter. Yeah, so I barely ever went to the Warwick because I was not tough enough to, to ever make it to Buck Buck. But, um, but that was, yeah, that, that, you'd always hear about people going there. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of bars. There's one, I don't know if it's still there, it's called the Spread Eagle on Bridge Road. Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah, that? Spread, it's, yeah, it's still there, the spread eagle. Yeah, and that used to be that was one of those um, the word quickly spread that they were kind of underage friendly. Yeah. Like I don't know, they they. I mean, we. It was one of those places where when that word got <laughs> that sounds out, that sounds like a term that pedophiles refer to each other as <laughs> underage friendly. Yeah. we're not. Hey, hey, we're not pedophiles. We're not pedophiles. We're just underage friendly. <laughs> Are you underage friendly? Like Jim and I were in New York, and we met this actress over there. This eighteen-year-old, this really cool chick, but she was born. She doesn't know a world without the internet. And that was a really weird discussion to have with someone about like talking, you know, because I was trying to relate to her back when I was in high school or whatever, which just seemed retarded. Like telling her about having to book a flight where you'd call an airline and get them to run through what the flights were and, and all that kind of stuff. Just she, It just boggled her mind. She couldn't understand it. But it will boggle people's minds because technology uh, improves so quickly. Mm. Like I think that it, there will be a whole generation. Who, like can you imagine what it's going to be like? to explain to children that you used to take a photo and then you would have to go to the chemist <laughs> yeah. to like give to get the photo yeah. developed and it would take days. Yeah. Like as opposed to like, you know, you can shoot it and just look at it straight away. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I I don't know if I have told you my theory on this before, but I um I have this real theory that we don't appreciate photos in the way that we used to because yeah. of the quantity yeah, totally. of them. Like, you know, you document, you know, some people document every minute of the night out. 
remember this night out? And you're like, well, yeah, like every single moment of it has been documented. Yeah, like you can go out and then go home two hours later yeah. and go on Facebook and the photos are already up and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can, I can, I, I backtrack, like I can actually like backtrack my life sometimes, find out where I was do you, and what you, shape I was in by how I get tagged on Facebook. Do you, are you, how do you feel about Facebook? Like what's your, I mean, are you, I mean, you're obviously into social media and stuff, mm. but like. Because I've, I've got to a point with Facebook now where I I actually try and avoid it because um, it lowers my self-esteem. <laughs> I call it envy book because every time I go on, I look and see friends of mine because everyone puts up their best photo or, you know, they're, you know, uh, just hanging out in uh, Paris, you know, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm going to catch a show at, you know, uh, the Moulin Rouge. And it's like, cause, because everyone is grooming and doing their own PR now, like, it, it only serves to make me feel worse about myself. So I'm having to kind of like limit, I, I treat it like sophisticated email now. Like I want to know when things are on and people's birthdays, all that kind of stuff. But the actual kind of, um, the constant, it's not self-promotion because I'm a self-promoter. It's not, I have a problem with that, but it's the fact that it makes me feel bad about myself. Well, you know what you've got to do what? is either you've got to become more successful yeah. or you've got to get less successful friends. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, I don't think it's actually Facebook's problem. I think it's just that you've surrounded yourself with highly successful yeah. people who are doing interesting things. But, well, if you just lowered your standards and your social group a little, they'd be like, oh my God, did you see Charlie made a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I, wish we had the, I wish we could afford bread. Have you heard the not entirely good sound on his podcast? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty underwhelming, but wow. Charlie has a place to record things. <laughs> Oh, that's what you need. You yeah. just need friends who are a bit more like, you know. I, mean, I started off like a Facebook guy and then you introduced me to Twitter mm. and now I'm addicted to Twitter. Like Twitter, I, that that's my news source now. I, I pretty much follow like, you know, the websites, uh, like, you know, you could news.com, uh, you know, any celebrities you're into, musicians, bands, whatever, and you get the information immediately. And then when you actually buy a newspaper or go online to like a newspaper website, you're like, Oh man, like I heard about that at least 35 minutes ago. The great thing is that you individually, um, you know, can create your own world of things that you're interested in. Yeah. You know, like when you read the newspaper, you're really like reading a whole bunch of things that other people have decided you need to know. Yeah. And you might not be interested in all those things. Yeah. You're like, I do like sport and I'm, I'm interested to know what happened in the election, but I don't really care about, you know, Epicure. Or whatever it is, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, on Twitter, you can just have your own world where you're just like, oh, I've been updated with the football scores and now some comic book games. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, like, uh, I think it's, it's... There was a time where you'd feel shame about, like, you know, things that you were interested in. And now, because you can find a very, you know, small niche of people into the same idea, unfortunately, you're finding people who should keep that stuff secret... <laughs> Who are like now celebrating? And I should be heard too, and this is you know my interest. It's like you know the kind of what would he say? For what happened to the good old days when you were ashamed of that? Yeah. and we all mocked you for that interest exactly. that you have. Don't be proud of it. Well, Don't start a Facebook group and have, find other people who are also interested. In I'm, that not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about you know people who are into uh, you know the first series of Star Trek. I'm talking about like you know we've spoken about this before, like the weird sexual fetishes. Like that's that's you're the speaking kind about of, the fact that we can mention two girls, one cup, and a lot of people will know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. But that, I mean, that in itself was a, I think that was just a, that, that two girls, one cup phenomenon was just one of those kind of trends. It's, it's almost like the Lady Gaga uh, viral videos, you know what I mean? It's just I'm sure, weird. I'm sure she'd be happy to hear because that. Because that kind of shit. You are the biggest thing since <laughs> two girls, one cup, Lady Gaga. Well, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is it's a fad thing. Like that kind of shit has been a, 
no pun intended, mm-hmm. has been on the internet forever. Like scat scat movies have been around forever, but for this is this is the one that had like breakthrough material. Like it's kind of weird that, that it's not it was it wasn't the first the time. Wolf Creek of Australian horror. Yeah. Yeah, like totally. Breakout. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's not like the first time anyone had had filmed something like that and yeah. put it on the internet, but for some reason that just captured everyone's imagination. It and was its time. It's weird, it was a bummer. It's kind of. I remember I was talking to two older guys, these two writers I know, who were like, you know, they're from a couple of generations before, and they were like, "What is this? Two girls, one cup?" And so I explained what it was, yeah. and they just didn't. They were like, "And and why are people like? Why does it have you know two million hits?" On, on the website or whatever, why are people into it? And it's like, I, I can't explain why that has suddenly become mainstream. I guess it would be the same in the 70s when porn went mainstream and how, you know, you explain to people the generation before about, well, yeah, now... Um, we go to the cinema and watch Debbie Does Dallas. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's weird, though. I find that weirder, that like people went to the cinema and watched Deep Throat or Debbie Does Dallas. I don't. I don't. Like, to the cinema. Yeah, I mean, if it was the first of its kind, like two, two Girls, One Cup, like it's going to generate a whole lot of kind of just curiosity and you could, you could deflect your reason for seeing it as being, well, it's part of this, you know, it's a, of its time. And, and you know, I, I don't think it's so bizarre that people are going to go see that in the cinema. I, think, I don't think they're going... I, don't people, I think people weren't going to be sexually aroused and masturbate like, you know, in a, like a cheap cinema. I think people are going to watch it as a piece of art. Mm. Something that is so kind of um, uh, underground can be celebrated for, so, by everyone and becomes so mainstream. Like I, I saw this week that Ed Hardy is going out of business. Well, yeah, well, that's weird. And, it just takes a few people. And not that surprises me because, like you know, it always looks like people had like thrown up on their clothes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, but a fairy fucked their t-shirt. I think <laughs> was the best description. Just made it easier to identify people you didn't want to hang out. Yeah, with. Yeah, that's right. From the distance. Yeah. Um, but it, it was really big for a while. Yeah. You know, it was like, and you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. And then it went away. What's that? Like if you like were the owner of Von Dutch hats, yeah. there was a period of time where you were living in your Von Dutch mansion, yeah. like, you know, off all that sweet Von Dutch, you know, money thinking this is going to last forever. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone, no one wants to wear your stuff. Well, I was talking to, um, you know, a mate, Sim, he, his mate owns, uh, has owned a chain of nightclubs and, and pubs around Australia. And, his philosophy is that you're only ever going to get two or three years out of that where it's going to be the place where everyone wants to go and, you know, you're going to make a lot of money. He said that the, the, the skill is knowing when to get out because the longer you stay, the, you know, your overheads stay the same, but your, your, your revenue is going down. And that's exactly the same for fashion or, or anything like that. It's, it's like the Subi guys as well, you know. I mean, that was the hottest brand going around. Like, you couldn't go down Bondi without seeing someone wearing Subi. I mean, is it even still around? I don't know. I don't know. Yep. K- or it became Kasubi or something. Yeah, no. Kasubi. Kasubi, yeah. They had to change it because when they went international, there was already a Ubi. Yeah. So they had to a su- no, no, it was a Subo, I think it was. Uh, anyway. With Susan Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> we can't make these jeans in case somebody confuses them with the really cool skinny leg jeans range put out by a Britain's Got Talent winner, Susan Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a Tsubo. Right. I'm pretty sure. It was a Japanese brand because I had some of their shoes. Mm. I had some white leather Subo shoes. Subo shoes? Yeah, really? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were called Subos. But yeah, yeah. That was the brand that Subi had to change the name for. But yeah, that, that they were like super white hot for a while. I mean, eventually they're going to be in Kmart, like 26 Red, like Mossimo, like all those fucking labels that are really hot. I guess if you are the person behind that, you just want to make sure that, you know, you sell while your stock in the company is really high and then get out before it becomes... 
you know, Kmart. I've never really understood fashion. I try, I, I try to desperately cling, you know, to the vague area of fashion. Yeah. But I've never been like a cutting edge fashion guy. Every time I've tried it, it's worked out really badly. I remember trying to buy, I, I bought a puffy jacket once and that, I just, it was out of fashion. When was that fashionable? The early, well, early 90s. Well, I don't know if it was. No, early 90s, I think I said. Yeah, it was back. Now. And I really did not look, I, I looked like someone who'd fallen And you went through a real rave body. era too. I remember yeah, when, I, when I first met you, you had a lot of reflective clothing. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely, um, I think that if um, people really want to warn uh, young people away from taking too many drugs, uh, they should show them the fashion choices you make when you are too consumed in that area. I made a, ba- a lot of bad drug... Rela- like, there's, a, there's, there's no sober way that you think pants that flash, like, as in, like, li- have lights that flash, are a good idea unless you're working at night yeah. or taking too many drugs. Or lost at sea. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. In that period in my early 20s, if I had had to work at night or get lost at sea, I had the perfect attire. Yeah, yeah, but that was a, you had a distinct look. I mean, that, I wouldn't say you were, I mean, that was a fashion. Like, you would definitely kind of belong to a, a, a clique. Yeah. A raver clique. Yeah. But that was, that's impractical, those clothes. I remember I opened your cupboard once, went to borrow a jacket, and you had three jackets of the same make, just in different colours. Like, it's almost like when you go into the back cave and he's got his kind of uh, radar suit and he's got his snow suit and he's yeah. got his fireproof suit. It was like... And you said very well, you know, I know I like it, so I'll just buy lots of different colours. <laughs> I still do that. Oh, do you really? I just get, I get like, you know, five jackets and they're all black now. <laughs> but, they're all, but they're basically all the same. I have like about 20 jackets in my cupboard that are all variations on a thing. Have, have you still got the, the reflector pants? No, no. I think they went to a, a salvo. Place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They went to a very groovy salvos. Yeah, there is, there is now a homeless guy who never, never, never lonely at night. <laughs> So, <laughs> you did have to get little batteries for them, though. They had little batteries. Oh, really? Yeah, like like you're having a watch. You surely they just should have should have come up with some kind of kinetic battery because every time you're wearing them, you're going to be like doing that little <laughs> raver two step. You don't need to power them with batteries. You should just be like, what are they? You know those ones, the batteries that self charge and you move That's it. Right, they could just have them in the back, and you just think, oh, my, my lights are going down. I've got to get out on the floor, put on some deep bass. I remember I, when I was like 13 or 14, I was really into the Lost Boys. And um, I really wanted to dress like Kiefer Sutherland, the Lost Boys. You know, it was like the leather trench coat. Yeah, and definitely. It was kind of like um, Spando Ballet meets uh, <laughs> Terminator 2 or something. Yeah, it was a bit of a camp look, but because he was a vampire, it was, it was pretty fine. cool. Yeah. And so I went, um, I was uh, out, and out with my mum and I was in this op shop and I found this old like leather trench coat and I said to mum you know um, can I get that and she bought it for me and I remember um, I put it on and Practical. and I had a couple of leather gloves I put the gloves on and, and had like a I think it was a polka dot shirt as well that I wore under it and I went out um, my sister used to work at a video store down in Port Melbourne so I went down to catch up with her and I've walked in how old are you? like, th- like 12 or 13 <laughs> and so I had my co- had, had my leather collar popped and you know I had my leather gloves on and I walked in like thinking I look like Keith Sutherland <laughs> And I walk in and my sister's behind the counter and she just stares at me and she's gone, you look gay. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I was a bit too young to read the homosexual subtext into the way the Lost Boys were styled, but you know what? Oh man. Yeah. I think it was the arseless chaps that really you know, <laughs> crossed the line. Well, I also had this other weird thing too where I, um, 
like I was really into um, Tim Burton's Batman, and I, I really love Michael Keaton. Like, he's my favorite actor. Still yeah. is one of my favorite actors. And you know how Michael Keaton has that kind of... It's like a pout. Like, he's always... He's, you know, when he's concentrating, it's like Clint Eastwood has that squint. Michael Keaton has this kind of pout, and especially when you put him under the Batman cowl, mm. he had this kind of pout. And I noticed that I don't normally have a pout, mm. so I used to work on my pout, oh, no. and I would be, like, in the mirror, and I'd, like, just pout... And then, like, try and kind of, like, bring that into my normal life. Like, try and try and pout and squint in normal life to try and sort of create this sort of... It sort of became more popularized by Dylan in Beverly Hills 90210. That, you know, you do that kind of squinty, pouty kind of thing. But, yeah, again, most people just like, there's something wrong with your eyes. <laughs> like, why are you squinting? Why, why are you pouting? Is there something wrong? The only one I was really obsessed with, and I, did, I was really obsessed, and I thought I was him a bit when I was a teenager, was uh, Judd Nelson. <laughs> Judd <laughs> Nelson from uh, uh, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, yeah, Bender. Yeah. And, I, I, and I, that whole, like, you know, bad boy, you yeah. know, detention. Did routine. you have the long hair? Yeah, I had yeah. the long hair. Yeah. And I, that was really, like, and that whole attitude yeah. I was really into. But I still, to this day, um, think that if Judd Nelson had died straight after Breakfast Club, he would be our generation's James Dean. Yeah, I reckon that's a fair call. Yeah. Like, Bender is still pretty influential. But, but particularly if he died, like, in some sort of tragic Hollywood rock and roll way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Over, overdosed that, or something like that. Yeah, he would have been like, everyone would have been like, oh, my God, he was a genius. He was going to make so many better things. Yeah, totally. And did, instead of what John Nelson yeah, ended did up you, doing. Did you see him at the Oscars this year? Yeah, he looked like he was, in, was working in a meth lab. Yeah, there's something really odd going on there. I was like, oh, it's that guy from Breaking Bad. Oh, no, <laughs> no it's John Nelson. Yeah, yeah he, he didn't look good. Maybe he's running a meth lab. Fuck, man. I, I would buy meth off Joe Nelson. It's good to die young. Like, it's really good to die before your flaws become apparent to everyone, you know? like Yeah, James Dean could have been in Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's the thing. If you keep living, yeah. you end up making, you know... Although Marlon Brando sort of maintained the kind of, like, image, didn't he? Like, he sort of... I mean, he didn't become a complete joke. No, I mean, I guess he just, I mean, he just ate, didn't he? Yeah, but he, I mean, he still maintained that kind of rebel attitude and, you know, the, and, and actors still look up to him and everyone wanted to work with him, even when it became abundantly clear that he was a prick yeah. and really hard to work with. Like, everyone still wanted to work with him. I mean, I don't know. Is it... but, but lots of them. I mean, like, you know, who, like Paul McCartney, I think, gets a hard time because yeah, yeah. he lives. Yeah, totally, totally. You know? And, um, but you know, you don't know that John Lennon wasn't going to be, you know... A total sellout. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's the other thing is, like, everyone's always on these artists' back not to sell out. And it's like, fucking... Like, isn't it good enough that they that the that he gave you the Beatles? Yeah. Like, are you, why, why are you still, like, wanting him to be these, yeah. these, these things you have in the You're like, good luck to you. Like, uh, do what you like now. Yeah, exactly. We had the Beatles. Yeah. Go and roll around in some cash. Yeah, Totally. Totally. I don't you think that though? like it's like when people uh, go on about uh, Robert De Niro and it's like oh you know he just did Rocky and Bullwinkle or you know Meet the Parents. It's like he gave you twenty years of really really good acting. Like he really busted his balls. Are you gonna like begrudge him wanting to do an easy role? Like wanting to make some money now? Like what? Yeah, I guess people do though. They do because they're like yeah. if you feel like it devalues the thing that you like, which it shouldn't. Yeah, it's just a different piece of work. I know it's ridiculous. Like De Niro doing Rocky and Bullwinkle doesn't make. Radio Taxi driver, yeah, yeah, no, not at all, and it's and it's still there too. It's the same thing I have with people who get like all freaked out about remakes. It's mm. like, oh, you know, you know, Dawn of the Dead is sacred. You can't remake it. It's like Dawn of the Dead, the original is still going to be there. I'm pretty sure there's a DVD version of it. If you are that like, yeah, if they if they had, if they'd done that remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn and Anne Hache, 
and then destroyed all prints of the original saga. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, I just don't understand that anger behind, you know, like people always have, like things, things that were perfect once, like no one can go near it, no one can touch it. I can understand if you have an emotional connection, but it's just, I mean, that's the other thing the internet has given rise to is this like fanatical kind of fan um, input and, and feedback. Anytime they announce you know, Christian Bale's been cast as Batman, like, you have this immediate kind of, like, venting online, and it's this faceless... And and the, the shit you read people write about online, it's like, I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to admit, it's hilarious, but it's like, no one would have ever kind of, like... If, if it wasn't for the anonymity of the internet, no one would ever speak like that. Like, no one would ever communicate like that. Well, I assume these are the things that people were saying to each other originally. Yeah. But that now they just have somewhere that they can write it down. Yeah, but there are definitely keyboard heroes now. Like, if you go to... I mean, I go to a lot of kind of forums and talkbacks for films and sport and stuff like that, and I'm too scared. And I'm a... You know, I'm a bit of a smart-ass. Like, I, I feel I can hold my own, but the, the, the rare times I have contributed online... Like, I've been so torched by these guys. Like, you know, they, they are people who live for a kind of online battle. Like, they, you know... They, they probably never leave the house. They're probably in some basement at their mum's house. Yeah. They're probably all 14. Yeah. And this is, like, what they do for fun. Yeah. Well, no one's ever got my blood up, but I... I, I like, in terms of... Anyone's attacked me, but I have, like, read some... You know, someone will go on and, and say something stupid online, and so I will chip in, and then I will get destroyed. <laughs> So badly. Like, I remember once there was, um, uh, they're talking about the, the, the AFL, like, a couple of years ago, and there's a debate about uh, finals, leading to the finals, like, you know, a team's form. And this guy wrote this thing saying that, you know, this is why if you don't, you know, win all your games leading up to the finals, you can't win the final series. And so I just brought up a couple of examples when teams have lost games close to the final series and they're still going on to win a premiership. This guy, like, I don't know if he had the statistics, like, right there in his finger, but within, like, 20 minutes, he had come back, uh, disputed my facts, and then come back and made a personal attack because I was a newbie, because I had, like, less than 100 posts or something like that. And you know what? I actually felt bad for about half an hour. A, that I hadn't got my facts straight, and B, that I was a newbie. And then I was like, what the fuck? Why? And then that thought of he's probably 14-year-old and has never left the basement game. Yeah, and, well. and if somebody has posted more than 100 times on some football talkback website, which of the two of you should be you know, <laughs> pointing the finger at the other? That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I do find that really interesting. Because, I, I mean, I do it all the time, too, with, with things. that. But I do trust, like, people. Like, if people have, um, you know, provided me with... Like, I, I had no doubt that I was going to enjoy Inception. Yeah, yeah. Because every single thing that Christopher Nolan has done, I've enjoyed. To various degrees. Yeah, yeah. Some of it I've really loved. Some of it I've been challenged by and found was really interesting. But there has not been one single thing that he's done that I haven't enjoyed. So I just trusted that it would be good. That yeah. it would be interesting. That I will enjoy it. Yeah. You know? That he knows more about making movies than I do. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like I'm going to restaurants and getting in the kitchen going, Hey, mate cook that a little less or, you know, put a bit more salt and pepper on this. Like, he's the expert, uh, you know? Yeah. I, find, I get angry at my audiences sometimes when they don't laugh at a joke. Uh, I think, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? I'm a professional. I do this all the time. I've done this show thousands of times and thousands of people have laughed at that joke and you don't? What do you know? How often do you come to comedy? Have you ever said that? Who are you to doubt me? Have you ever said something? Ah, like oh, I mean, probably. I've seen because I've seen comedians do that before, where they'll turn on an audience mm. for not 
getting a joke or not liking a joke. It's always awkward. <laughs> no, no, I, I never, I, I never blame them because I always, my attitude is always like, you know, if it's a bad crowd and you can get bad crowds just as you can get good crowds. But my attitude is always that if Robin Williams or Chris Rock or whoever was there, they would do a good job with that crowd. Yeah. But I do sometimes you get an, an attitude from an audience like we're judging you. And I'm like, mate, I'm here every night. I'm judging you. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> but, you know, I trust my I trust my entertainers. You know, like I, uh, you know, like if I like really like a band or whatever. Yeah. I trust that, that you know, like there's a new Arcade Fire album mm. and it's a bit more low key than their previous two, which I loved. And so it's taken me a little more while yeah. to get into it, but I trust that they were doing something, you know, they're trying to do something a bit more interesting and do yeah. something a bit more exciting. And yeah. so I go, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to go with this because I like you as an artist. So I'm going to like see where you're going with this direction. And how long does it take before that, that trust gets lost? Uh, I'm having, cause I'm having a little, I'm having a little bit of that with Tim Burton. Like there was a time oh, yeah. where I was like, oh, yeah. he, he doesn't, he can't make anything I don't like. Yeah. Like I, I just, everything does is really good. And then the last, few films like Alice in Wonderland I just I hated, that. hated it yeah I thought it was awful and, and felt that he was lazy like it was kind of yeah. just like it was like someone making a Tim Burton film so that's exactly Burton. what it was like but having said that it's like well but you know what fuck he's earned he's earned enough credits that he can do that like he doesn't have to keep I just won't keep seeing the films obviously but yeah. I'm not going to go online and like you know damn you Tim Burton yeah, now you, I hate Beetlejuice yeah exactly <laughs> But that, I, I mean, that's that. You know who's really copping that the most online is M Night Shyamalan. Like that guy, like has just. I don't know. I mean, there seems to be a lot of talk. I haven't seen it. Apparently, he did. A, a book came out that was written by someone who worked for Disney, who said, who wrote some pretty bad things about him, sort of saying he's an egomaniac and he's really hard to deal with. And after the Sixth Sense, that he became like so full of himself that he honestly believed that you know he invented cinema. I think the first three quarters of the book said that, but then there was a really unexpected twist. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing was as what you're saying. But yeah, well, but that's, and that's it. And he's a guy who, like the, the internet, the fanboys online, like they just have really relished, you know, every, like his fall. And I don't, no, because I don't think he had enough credits in the bank. Yeah. That's the thing. Like he was a bit of like, he fluked one. Well, can you imagine though? Like, I know it wasn't Sixth Sense with his second film, but can you imagine that your first or second film is the Sixth Sense? Like how the fuck are you ever going to top that? Like he made an almost perfect movie, you know, like he was really damned if he did, damned if he didn't. Like what is it? He, he tried to repeat that same kind of formula. Mm. And then like, I mean, now he's gone to make the last airbender, which apparently is awful as well. It's like, Jesus Christ, well, where do you go from there? He's like, you know what M. Night Shyamalan's like? He's like one of those guys who um, bursts onto like the cricket scene yeah. and he's got like you know, um, a you know, great array of shots, but he's got like one really big weakness and then like, so for the first season he dominates, but then everyone kind of works out, yeah, yeah. you know, how he plays and yeah. then he can't quite, you know, get out of that one way that he's got to play. But it's kind of weird though that... Okay, so that doesn't work for him. But then everyone knows how Michael Bay plays. Like, you know, when you see a Michael Bay film, you're going to see some slow motion American flags, a chopper flying over like a desert at sunset. Yeah. But everyone loves that. Like, yeah, is, it, is it just that his tricks aren't as widely appealing as like the other guy's tricks? No, I think that he like had a proper trick trick. Like it was like a magic trick, and then when you've seen it and you know how it works, yeah, you're looking for it all the time. Yeah. Like I mean, Christopher Nolan makes films that have those sort of you know layers of uh, you know different sort of subtext and yeah. things going on. But he tries to do it in a way I think that it still is unexpected or it's complex. Yeah. Whereas it's like you know um, yeah M Night Shyamalan, it's like it's always just like oh, yeah you sit in the cinema almost like 
you know, there used to be a cartoonist in Victoria um, called Jeff Hook. Yeah. And he was like a you know, da- daily you know, newspaper cartoonist. And, always put, and he a put a tiny little hook in there. Yeah. And so, like, as an adult, you get the, what the cartoon was about. But as a kid, you'd just be looking, looking for, for where he hid the hook. Yeah. And, like, that's what, like, M. Night Shyamalan films are like. You yeah. sit there the whole time going, Where's Wait a minute. Hook? Wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> I don't reckon this is an olden time village. <laughs> yeah. I reckon they're just living over the road through the forest from some modern. Place. But I thought that was a good film. I thought uh, that was not was that wasn't signed. That was the village. Yeah, I actually thought that was not bad. Like everyone was felt like like so ripped off by that twist. I actually thought it was good. I, I mean, I really kind of bought into it. Granted, I am terrible at kind of mysteries and and films with twists. I can never see it coming. <laughs> like I'm really really bad. Even the most kind of obvious twist, I don't see it coming. But I thought that was a good film. I don't think he's made that many bad films. What but, about the, the Lady in the Lake or whatever it was called? Yeah, that's pretty bad. I've not even seen that. I gave up after. Well, I, I mean, gave up after. But the here's the thing. I reckon if that if the Lady in the Lake was his first film, if, if he didn't have the weight of being M. Night Shyamalan, mm. I don't think that film would have been as panned because the big twist in that film is that the, the character who was a writer played by M. Night Shyamalan himself mm. can save the world through his writing. Yeah. So I think most people had a reaction. And you're saying that there was a book that said that he started to believe his own press? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so I think that, I think people couldn't, not, couldn't separate the fact that he was who he was from this. And so it just became offensive, like to watch it. It's like, you are an idiot. And so I'm just, I'm, I, is it also because he calls himself M. Night Shyamalan? Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's like McG. Like, McG still cops a heap of shit yeah. for being McG. I would. T- I'm going to just... It turns well, me against you. Why, why? Why is that a problem? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Tony Lockett is a plugger. You don't, you'd have no problem with... Yeah, but plugger doesn't call himself plugger. But I'm sure he... Like, he doesn't go, hey, doesn't I'm have, plugger Tony Lockett. Chopper Reed, Tony Chopper Reed calls, himself, cho- calls himself Chopper. Yeah, well, I mean... But too he, scared to yeah, tell yeah, him. No one's going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if M. Night Shyamalan uh, cut his ears off and started stabbing guys, I wouldn't mock his name either. But it just... There just seems to be a bunch of... Why well, do you think it's pretentious? Yeah. I think he's pretentious. But uh, what are M. Night Shyamalan? Like, that's... Why, why is that pretentious? Oh, it just sounds... I don't know. It just sounds... <laughs> I don't like him. I don't like the cut of his jib. You sound like you're in one nation. I don't, I don't like him. I just don't like him. I don't... I, I am one of those people who doesn't like him. Yeah, You know right. what? I like The Sixth Sense. And Unbreakable? I didn't mind Unbreakable. Yeah. And that's Signs? it. Signs? No. Hated it. Our signs has some hated really good it. moments. You really hated it? awful. It? Hated it. Yeah. Didn't like the village. Cave up. Yeah, sure. That was it. And now he's lost you forever. That's it, night. Have you seen... Um, M, <laughs> that's your real name. Have you seen... Uh, that? You didn't see The Happening Man? No. No. What is that? That's his... One he's done before The Last Airbender is a horror movie, which starts off really well. Yeah. But it has Mark Wahlberg as the most unconvincing high school science teacher. Oh, yeah, right. And, like, him putting putting together the pieces, the mystery of this film and by, by his knowledge of science. Oh, it's like, that no. guy has never opened Marky a science Mark. book in his life. Hang on, ever. I'll just call the funky bunch yeah. and see what they think. All right, so, uh, yeah, you've been listening to Tofop, episode eight. We're going almost there at ten. Um, <laughs> you say that as if that's like the, the amount that we've like signed a contract to make. No, I'm just We're almost got to ten. Well, I'll just be honest. I never thought we'd make it past five. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's more it's more uh, shock and awe, shock and awesome. Um, if you want to uh, hit us up on the Facebook page and become a fan, mm. uh, you'll have all the details about where you can download each episode, and um, it also lets us know that people are actually listening. Yeah. So, and can you leave comments? Is that where you leave comments? Yeah, you can leave comments there as yeah. well. You can you do it now. Bl- leaving comments. You can do it now on a blog page as well. But uh, to be honest, I, I never go there. So just just do it on the Facebook page. Yeah. All you right. Like comments. Feedback. Yeah. Feedback. Mm.
And uh, don't and don't get too aggressive with this because, as we've stated, the uh, internet can be a really horrible yeah. place. Yeah. Don't, yeah, don't say you guys used to be really good, but now that I've listened to episode eight, <laughs> it invalidates the first seven weeks <laughs> that I really enjoyed. All right, bye. bye.